0: Hello and welcome to episode 4 of the Quiet Mark podcast. I'm your host Simon Gosling and QuietMark is the independent international approval award program associated with the UK Noise Abatement Society Charitable Foundation. It encourages companies worldwide to prioritize noise reduction within the design of everyday machines and appliances and find solutions to noise problems to benefit health and well-being. As I record the introduction to this episode, it's June the 1st, 2020, and after 10 weeks of lockdown, schools are gradually opening their doors and allowing students back into the classroom. So it seems fitting that the subject of this episode is acoustics in education, and there are few people more qualified to discuss this subject than my guest today, Shane Cryer, concept developer, education at Sangaban Ecofon as regular listeners to the show will already be aware, earlier this year, in February, QuietMark launched its Acoustics Academy, a brand new, free-to-use online platform that will further equip and empower architects, builders and designers with a guide to expertly verified leading acoustic solutions for every building application area. And back in February, to launch the Acoustics Academy, Quiet Mark held a TED-style masterclass event at London's Business Design Centre alongside the Surface Design Show where we had eight expert acoustician speakers speaking on various aspects of sound and acoustics. One of those speakers was Shane Cryer, who focused on acoustics in education, and his talk alongside the others can be seen on our YouTube channel, Quiet Mark TV. In this podcast, which was recorded just after the launch event and just before we went into lockdown in early March, we discuss Shane's presentation in further detail, learn more about the trip that he took to Greece to listen to the amazing acoustics of an ancient amphitheatre. He also shares more detail about the story of Sara, a year 12 student at Swains Park School who's profoundly deaf and had cochlear implants two years ago. You can see a video message from Sara in Shane Crier's YouTube video that I just mentioned. And in it, she talks about how Echophon Sangoban worked on her school to improve the acoustics and the result of which was that she used to have to sit apart from the rest of the class but after the work that Sankoban Echophon did she was able to sit anywhere that she liked in the classroom. It improved her learning. She's now passing all of her exams and has ambitions to go to university and the work has absolutely transformed her life. In episode three of the Quiet Mark podcast we listened to Oliver Heath the biophilic designer talk about the fact that When we have a reconnection to nature, and when we bring biophilia back into our workspaces, absenteeism drops and productivity increases. And the same applies to schools. One of the things you'll hear Shane talk about is that with better acoustics comes better results, less absenteeism, and better well-being for the students and the teachers. So now, let me give you a brief introduction to Shane, followed by the recording that we did back in March. Shane Cryer is a concept developer in education, and he manages the education sector in the UK and Ireland for Swedish acoustic experts Sangaban Echophon. After a career in the construction industry, having studied building and property surveying, he now concentrates on building acoustics, recently completing the IOA diploma and is now an associate member of the IOA. Working closely with the Institute of Acoustics, the IOA, and the RIBA, Shane has been promoting BB93 Acoustic Design of School Standard via CPD seminars, conferences and articles in the trade press shane also manages several acoustic research projects around the uk welcome to the show shane hello good to be here it's great to see you here and especially a couple of weeks since we did the presentation at the acoustics academy launch on the 13th of february been keeping well since then very good very
1: busy yes all good thank you
0: Great. You did a great presentation that day. And the first words of it were, I'm going to be talking to you today about acoustics in education. That's something I'd really like to explore further. Of course, our listeners can see the video of the presentation on Quiet Mark's YouTube channel. But tell us a bit more about the presentation for those who missed it. And we can go a little bit more chatty about it rather than presentation. You went to Greece. Tell us the story, please.
1: It's, uh, it's quite fascinating if you've ever had the opportunity to go to uh, a Greek, any amphitheatre, but in particular, there is a, a Greek amphitheatre called Epidorus, uh, this is a fourth century bc constructed amphitheater, of course it's outdoors and it has the remarkable properties that you get a good speech intelligibility opportunity at the amphitheater at sixty six zero meters from the uh, what they call the sweet spot where the speak would stand at the bottom right to the back up in the stone seating That's remarkable because to give some context we sometimes post-test modern schools acoustically and can't get the same excellent reading that we get in a 4th century constructed Greek amphitheatre. And uh, that's can be problematic. We're not considering sound and acoustics in a way that we've been doing for thousands of years. Um, And we we were there to learn how they constructed it, what was so special, how they achieved this remarkable feat and how we could apply that to a design guide for lecture theatres that we're currently putting together. So what was the magic formula? (laughs) That would be telling. (laughs) Uh, There's a number of things. Um, One of the first things that is very obvious about this place is that it's open. It has no walls and no ceilings. It's not encased in a building. And that can prove challenging in such a large space. The walls and the ceiling, if they're very hard, reflective surfaces, can ruin the effect of Epidorus by... uh, having long reflections, causing a long reverberation time, what your listeners, uh, some of your listeners might know as echo, a cave-type effect. And then you have very poor speech intelligibility, and it's very hard to make out what's being said at the very back. And uh, that's one thing. So we need to... Uh, of course, it's not practical to have outdoor lecture theatres, uh, especially in this country, uh, especially during February. We need to be clever in our design. We need to make those walls and the ceiling acoustically disappear, become invisible as if they're not there so that we can replicate what the very clever Greeks did all that time ago. A line that
0: stood out from your presentation was, we want to get back to the sky. So is that achievable in these modern governmental buildings that you mention?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, so it, it's possible in all buildings. Um, not only possible, but essential in education buildings, in learning environments. Uh, in England and Wales, in fact, it's statutory as part of building regulation E4, so it must be achieved. And there are ways to do it. And so it's a possible to imitate the sky by putting in a class A absorber on the ceilings and dependent on the height of the building, on the height of the room it may be necessary to put some absorption on the walls to make those acoustically invisible as well.
0: Without going into too much legalese, you're nevertheless mentioning changes in the law which have seen acoustic requirements become not just nice to haves but absolute must haves, mandatory. Can you explain a bit more about the laws that have made those changes?
1: There are a number of things to consider when designing a a learning space. BB93 is part of building regulation E4. It's a standard that sets out the acoustic design of schools. Um, It's a a building bulletin. There are a a number of them that apply to uh, different factors. Uh, Acoustics isn't the only factor that makes for a good learning space, but uh, it's second in order of priority only after daylight lighting as a whole. And there's also the school's premises regulations and the Equalities Act. So there's a number of things to consider. But the great thing about BB93, which is often referenced, and even in Scotland, where it isn't statutory, it's usually in the brief for the design of a learning space. It sets out very clearly, first of all, identifies what the space is. It could be a classroom, a dining hall, a sport hall a drama room and then it will give you very specific reverberation times that you must not exceed uh, in order to produce a space that's going to be optimal from an acoustics point of view and how it makes the students feel there was a,
0: another line in your presentation yes. I think you said there were times where like in any school or any place of learning, sometimes students might kick off a bit, get a bit upset about something, and there's calm rooms that they're able to be taken to. And you talked of a corridor lined with acoustic fabric, which looked like a forest, and mentioned that their heartbeat was notably dropping as they even just walked down the corridor towards the calm room. So materials were being used to great effect in that situation.
1: Yes, there's been plenty of research going back some time now that not only Do you uh, memorize better as a student? You're more on focus, you're not taken off task, but also your behavior is likely to improve uh, as a result of a calm environment. And quite often it's interesting as you go around, uh, I had the opportunity to talk to a lot of lecturers and teachers and they are, they very rarely use the word sound. They say feel, oh, it feels much better after we've gone in and done some intervention oh yes it's this It's much easier to teach in here it it feels a lot better because of course sound is pressure it's energy and you can feel the difference in the pressure in the room if that energy unwanted energy noise is removed uh, so that you can focus on what the teacher is actually saying and it's important because uh, still over 70 percent of everything that happens in the learning space is vocal it's teacher to pupil There was another slide that was, I think it was in a younger children's
0: classroom, you talked about these rafts which had plants coming from them and biophilia and how there were children that loved to sit under these leaves and these plants, feeling like they were back amongst nature, sitting under a tree and learning. I thought that was a, a really romantic image, but also really fantastic for their learning experience. But biophilia is a big element of this as well. You talk about how it makes you feel. Is it
1: visual stimuli as well as acoustics, which is making it feel right? Absolutely. This is fairly new to us. That particular tree that you mentioned uh, called the Arvillie tree was designed by a clever architect called Graham Ogle in Northern Ireland. And it's been replicated now. We're into double figures. where and, and in fact, there's one going into the Winchester Science Centre where the general public will be able to go and see and experience it. So we know we can fool the brain visually by recreating a tree, even if it isn't real. If the leaves are giant and are acoustic absorbers and aren't actually real leaves, you get the benefit. And and in the uh, school that you mentioned, a special educational needs school, the students sit on a little bench around the base of the tree and they get all the feelings uh, and the uh, the well-being as if they were sitting under a tree outside. And of course, acoustically, it's perfect. It's a, a lovely, optimal environment to be in. There was a piece of research done in 2015 at a school in Essex called the Swain Park School, 1950s, concrete framed, very typical of of secondary schools that we see around the country. And one of the comments, one of the uh, conclusions from the teachers after acoustic intervention, so that is taking a poor acoustic environment and making it right. All teachers commented on the improved working environment and noted better classroom behavior and comprehension, less experienced staff there reported a reduction in stress levels. So going back to what you were saying, um, acoustics uh, moves beyond just how we hear things, but how we feel and how we cope with our learning or for teachers, our working environment too. There
0: was a video at the end of your presentation of a girl who was profoundly deaf. She goes to this science, School. And she was talking about how important it is to address these aspects and how great it's been for her.
1: There are, there are some remarkable pupils uh, within a hearing impaired department of 26 but i also don't want to forget students and and of course there are many it's accelerating who have autism and not all but many of them are affected by sound in the same way
0: this sound means they have no filter it, it, they hear all different sounds at the same volume am i right
1: that's right there are uh, you and i uh, simon we can focus in on a on a sound in this instant, our our, our voices we're We're focusing on what we're saying and we're ignoring um, the sounds around us, albeit there's very little here, which is very nice. But there's some very nice birdsong outside, but our brain is filtering that out and and, uh, any other uh, noise, hum from the fridge or that sort of thing. For some students um, with ASD, they are unable to filter out background noises and so they hear everything at the same level that would be uh, pencils being emptied out on a desk or the dog barking down the road road rumble coming through from out- from outside uh, other pupils uh, chatting or whispering in the corner and the teacher who may just be two to three feet from them everything uh, they hear at the same level and they, they can't filter it and focus on one and it becomes very stressful it must uh, do. for them and the same with uh, students with Cochlear implants have hearing impairments using various devices they have to work much harder than you and I at focusing on what is being said and discerning uh, in particular uh, the consonants the the very uh, the sounds that have very weak energy in them to discern what's being said they can hear but it would be like you or I hearing underwater sometimes and it's often anecdotally reported by the parents that when these students return home from school they collapse and go to sleep they they take a nap instantaneously they're so worn out goodness from it it takes a lot of brain calories to to focus in that way and they're working much harder than the rest of us uh, would do at school who don't have these challenges sounds exhausting but the application of ecophon product
0: in a situation like that you you address that school and there were reports from the students themselves saying it was better so you're, create, you're getting the sky back for them, I take it, to use our phrase from
1: earlier. What do you do? Yes, get, so basically putting the sky back into the room, as we mentioned earlier, that's limiting the amount of reverberation. So the sound is... Direct sound. Early reflections, very early reflections within 0.05 seconds are actually good, but outside of that, it becomes an echo and our echo filter is triggered and it can be problematic. It becomes then very tiring for us to continue to filter. We also know that in young children under the age of eight, it can be very tricky for them in a reverberant room to actually memorize, particularly numerically. In the Swain Park instance, we put class A ceilings and wall panels into the rooms, particularly at the low frequency end. That's very important. There's a lot of energy in low frequency. That's uh, 125 hertz and below in particular. Um, That in 2015 came into the standards BB93. So you have to be at or below 0.4 seconds at 125 hertz. And getting that low frequency absorption in place is very important. And then you are replicating the outside. Not only did attainment go up for the hearing impaired students and students with autism, it went up for everybody. When you treat a space to be inclusive, everybody benefits. The teachers took less time off work, had less stress, less vocal problems, less headaches, the students began to accelerate in their learning. The top sets, those that were already excelling, just accelerated and went even faster. Swain Park became outstanding, was awarded outstanding status by uh, Ofsted, and then uh, became an academy. They uh, had students in the hearing-impaired department, then had aspirations to go into the sixth form. That was uh, They had a record number going on to sixth form, and they also had, after the treatment, a record number of pupils obtaining A-star GCSEs. So it's life-changing it changes your aspirations it, it's inclusive but one of the the biggest wins one of the the greatest things to happen out of acoustically treating these spaces is that the students didn't have to all come in together and sit at the back or uh, sometimes sit at the front if they didn't have a teaching assistant so they could hear the teacher because they're not being inclusive. They're not sitting with everybody and they're a very separate tribe then. They don't integrate. Once the room was treated, they were able to choose wherever they wanted to sit. As a result of sitting wherever they wanted to, they found themselves next to students they normally wouldn't talk to and their friendship circle grew considerably. In the first couple of months, there was a, a massive acceleration in their circle of friends. Before then, they were very much stuck to their own department and the people within it and the students within it and it was very limited. And that in itself was, uh, the head teacher would tell you, was one of the greatest achievements of getting those spaces right acoustically. Staying with the education theme... Glasgow City
0: College was featured within your presentation. It has the second largest atrium. It's Sterling Prize winning. And you were describing the challenges which are presented by a place which is really open plan. It's got a loud cafe. It's got a loud atrium. But then people need to also be able to learn. And you managed to achieve a certain acoustics level without putting up walls and barriers. I'd love to hear more about that experience,
1: please. Glasgow College is remarkable. It's now the number one HE destination for Scottish students. It was uh, shortlisted for the Stirling Prize. Great architects, uh, Michael Laird and Riakin Hall. A very clever building, uh, huge and vast, and could have been very problematic from an acoustics point of view. Imagine walking into uh, a cathedral and the very long reverberation times, which are wonderful for choral, but... Uh, not so good for understanding speech you if you sat for an hour's lesson inside your nearest very large cathedral you would run out of energy and be very tired very quickly it's inappropriate the same effect could have happened in these enormous atriums there's also a problem when you put up lots of walls and screens in that you then have a very costly mechanical ventilation system which has to bypass and uh, reach all these individual cells or units of them the less walls the more cost effective it is to build visual transparency between spaces is important particularly in education, and you help with the mechanical ventilation as well. So uh, we can't take credit for that. That was down to um, very clever acousticians at Arup Acoustics.
0: One of the guests on our podcast is Adrian Passmore, who, of course, you met at the uh, presentation.
1: That's correct, yes. And Adrian has... at his office, something called the sound lab, where you can in, in advance, before the building even came out of the ground, replicate the challenges or what that space will sound like and be able to demonstrate that then to the client and say, are you happy with that? Is that how you anticipate this is gonna sound? And of course, initially it wasn't and steps had to be taken. The challenge was that the coffee shop on the ground floor and doors opening out onto into a busy city, uh, influx of a lot of students and then pedestrian footfall on the various floors were going to cause a lot of unwanted noise. Being able to position absorption, which was in the form of vertical baffles and acoustic horizontal rafts and wall panels in the right place in the right quantity without being wasteful, without overdoing it, over-egging the pudding, uh, was critical on such a large scale. And we're talking thousands and thousands of these uh, baffles and, and rafts because the uh, ex- the, con- the, the uh, mechanical ventilation strategy was to have an exposed soffit, a heat sink. Um, so no wall-to-wall ceilings, just these rafts and baffles. And they were able to, through something called ray trace modelling, put a solution together, and then replay how it would sound back to the client in the Arab Sound Lab. And it's a remarkable. If you ever have the opportunity to go, if you're an architect in particular, go and listen. It's quite amazing. But this is the future. And a lot of this can be achieved on virtual reality headsets now. And we, Ecophon has one. We can take it around and demonstrate and allow the client to choose different finishes and to experience themselves what difference that will make to the sound in that space. And then they can make a very informed decision.
0: Um, I'd like to find out a little bit more about Shane, the man. How did you get into becoming an acoustician?
1: That's a good question. It was, it was quite simply by uh, joining the company Ecophon, which is part of the Sanger Band Group. So we're a Swedish company, uh, but we have uh, an office here in the UK. As soon as I joined them, I, I became fascinated and intrigued. Those that know me will know that I've chosen to move out of Essex to a quiet village. It's just how I roll. Uh, I like the sound of the countryside. I like a bit of peace and quiet. We know there's lots of benefits to that. A recent study by Harriet Watt University in particular tells us that how good it is for our well-being to be by a A babbling brook, for instance, a trickling stream. It's good for us. And we know that there are lots of unfortunate consequences of being constantly bombarded with noise in a a big city. And that affects students and the way they're able to learn. So my personal preference was already for a bit of quiet. And I I just became intrigued, uh, having joined Echophon, of the importance of acoustics and the difference it makes. And I came straight in to the Essex study, which uh, had an influence on the change in the standards in 2015. And I had a bit of an epiphany really, saw the difference it made to those students, which was quite remarkable and never looked back and decided I, I ought to study and go with the Institute of Acoustics and uh, qualify.
0: You speak very passionately of students and being inclusive. Can I ask, are you a father?
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And
0: do you have it's, anyone in the family who uh, has needed the benefit of acoustics? No, you no, don't? No, but I've had six kids go to school. Six kids. Wow. What ages are they now?
1: Uh, my oldest son just turned 30. He lives uh, and works in the Netherlands. You don't look old enough, Shane. <laughs> Check out the profile uh, picture, please. Lucky this is a podcast because they would see you're lying, Simon. Uh, but, uh, and the youngest just turned four. So I've had six children all go through the education system and it's been particularly useful. Now I had, my wife um, was a teacher at a preschool. The opportunity to use encouraging sounds in your voice to be able to use a lot of flexibility with your voice makes a massive difference to under fives in the way they learn in particular replicating the way a mother works with very high encouraging noises and uh, confirmations and reassurances really gives confidence to young children starting out on their learning process
0: do you know something i heard on that recently once upon a time prams were pushed it's mothers and fathers but back in the day uh, mainly by mothers who were encouraged to look at their child and talk to their child whilst the baby faced them but we've seen a turn to push chairs where the baby's facing away and quite often the parent being on the phone and there's there's reports i believe that are showing that there's less interaction of conversation with children which is hindering their
1: development have you heard of such reports i have can't say that i'm an expert on that at at all but yes i have i've read uh, various pieces and i i think uh, there's a lot of research being done on parent uh, bonding and eye-to-eye contact and um, also the point at which a child comes into school their ability to learn and take in information and process it is quite often affected by those early years dramatically with their mothers you can't have encouraging voice inflections in reception class or year one if you have a loud ambient noise a high ambient noise level if it's echoey and it's noisy The teacher is forced to raise their voice by as much as 10 decibels, and you don't sound like yourself. Your personality and character doesn't come through. In secondary schools, it's reported that teachers can sound a little aggressive. They're not being aggressive at all. It's just as they raise their voice, that's the way they're perceived, particularly by teenage boys. So getting the acoustics right in any learning space, whether that's your uh, living room or, or um, out in the park or in a school classroom is really important because the voice inflection is done at a much lower sound level and it gives you a much wider range to use encouraging noises. And that quietness is important to be able to get that across. Without it, if it's too noisy, you'll never get those voice inflections in and you never have that communication with a, a preschooler.
0: Shane, tell me, are there any current trends or changes that you've observed recently that you might want to share with the audience?
1: There are. There's uh, just two or three things that I think are noteworthy. Some of your audience may recall every 10 years, there's a a noise survey done in London where they try to put the microphones in the same positions they were the previous 10 years if things haven't been built in their place. And in the last survey, they found that the noise level had doubled as an average over a 24-hour period. So it's not that the noise level at 3 o'clock in the afternoon was double what it was 10 years ago, but most of the increase was coming from nighttime noise. Interestingly, and this is, there is no definitive connection, but I was at the Hearing Sciences Research Centre at Nottingham University last week, and they were discussing this and similar subjects. Coincidentally, in the same year, a 10-year survey was done on schizophrenia, and just in London, it had doubled. So not outside of London, but only in London where also the noise had doubled. My feeling is there's a, there's a correspondence or a connection with this. We saw this about five years ago in students. We were taking audiograms into schools and finding that in particular 15, 16-year-old boys had the hearing results of a 60-plus-year-old, alarmingly. And we predicted that Uh, that within a few years, they would hit university and there'd be a problem. And unfortunately, we don't always like being proved right. In this case, uh, we have. And I wish we weren't, but we are in a situation where universities are reporting mainly young men fighting for the first two rows of lecture theatres or complaining they can't hear properly. And that's because uh, we're calling them the iPod generation. They put too much energy into their ears um, without going into too much of the biology of hearing. They've basically uh, ruined their ability to hear. It's not like cutting yourself and it scabs over and it heals. You don't get it back again. And that is problematic. And partly the reason that we went out to Greece and they're looking at redesigning lecture theatres to accommodate those students and also... To enable lecture theatres to be more inclusive to those who require cochlear implants or have autism
0: now students are well known for standing up for the rights you know there's uh,
1: protests about
0: plastic in the ocean and uh, sustainability and fashion do we think that there is a growing awareness of the dangers of noise pollution and there might be a greta thunberg of noise pollution coming out
1: that's a very good question simon Possibly. I think as we educate students more, they become more aware. It is already happening. You mentioned earlier that we are involved in several research projects. One is a very small one, but it's with Stephen Heppel, worldwide educational guru, at a school near Sea Colchester. And the space has been, it's an Edwardian school. The 1970s false ceiling was taken down to produce more volume, more natural daylight, but as a result, created uh, poorer acoustics. And so we've gone in there corrected that, and now has uh, optimal acoustics. And he has developed something very clever called the learn which sits on a desk in the classroom and monitors the environment, including the acoustics. And the students can see what the noise levels are if they themselves are getting too uh, carried away and too noisy, and then they can correct it. And that does exist in many schools, a sort of green light, red light system where pupils, a couple of noise monitors will keep the class in order, save teacher having to do it, or even point out maybe they, unfortunately, Some schools uh, are under the Heathrow flight path and other airports and have to actually pause while the plane goes over because it's impossible. But having an awareness of the difference that the, the sound makes is important. We developed something called the MC360. It's a little monitor we can carry in our top pockets that does the same thing. But having it there in the classroom for the students to see is very empowering.
0: Shane I could listen to you all day Uh, it's really interesting to hear about acoustics in education and what you do in that sphere thank you so much for coming in to meet us today at Quiet House it's been a pleasure interviewing you and I hope we can do more again sometime soon thank you thank you Our thanks again to Shane for giving us time to record that conversation and to the lovely people at Sangoban Ecophon. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I did recording it. And as I said at the beginning of the show, Sangoban Ecophon's products are QuietMark awarded and feature within our Acoustics Academy. You can find them at acousticsacademy.com or quietmark.com. Just search for Ecophon and you'll see their products alongside other awarded products for the building sector by companies such as Bazwer Acoustic, Armacote, Rockwall, Wrightons Vents, and Enfield Speciality Doors, a few of whom will also feature on future episodes of the Quiet Mark podcast. And on the subject of future episodes, my next episode, episode 5 already, is with Adrian Passmore from Arup. Adrian is a highly experienced acoustician, and he believes that the science of acoustics should be demystified. He advocates advancements in technology to make acoustic planning easier. And in his episode, he talks about a virtual reality setup that Arab has, which enables clients to not only see, but hear what future buildings will sound like before they've even been built. For now, though, thank you for tuning into this Acoustics in Education special. I'm sure you'll join me in hopes and prayers that this return to school that is happening now returns to some sort of normality as soon as possible, and that children will be able to play together once again in the playgrounds and have fun learning together the way they're supposed to. Till the next episode, take care. Stay safe and goodbye. Bye for now.